Hello, and welcome to the VML Voice, the official podcast of the Virginia Municipal League. I'm your host, Rob Bullington. But I'm not just the host of the VML Voice. I'm also the editor of our magazine, Virginia Town and City. Back in December, we ran a short item about how the city of Radford had recently used a creative citizen engagement process to fill a vacant seat on their council. VML's executive director, Michelle Gowdy, suggested I dig a little deeper. Now, I'm not one to ignore a good idea, particularly when it comes from my boss, so I set up some phone conversations with a few folks from Radford's city government to find out more. Today on the VML Voice, I'm pleased to share those conversations with you. Before we dive in, I'll let you know that everyone I talked to for this episode had lots of positive things to say about the work being done in Radford to revitalize their downtown and make their little city even better than it already is. Now, I don't have time today to share all of those conversations, but the VML Voice will be featuring them in an upcoming episode on downtown development projects. So look out for that coming soon. Now back to our immediate subject. You know that awkward feeling you get when something is missing? Like when you were a kid and you lost a tooth and all of a sudden there was this empty place in your mouth you had to get used to. Or you set eight table settings, but only seven people show up for dinner. Or there's a big family reunion and one of your siblings just can't make it. Well, the council members of the city of Radford had that something is missing feeling back in November of 2021 when a Radford council member resigned to move to another state for a job opportunity. Normally, council would appoint a new member but the remaining council members were certain they wanted to involve the citizens in the process. How best to do that, however, was less than certain. We'll kick things off today with the mayor. Here he is now. Well, I'm David Horton. I am serving as mayor of the city of Radford. I've been involved with local government really since I was a teenager, even though I hadn't sought elected office until 2018. I had a lot of members of the community reach out to me asking me if I would consider the role and if I could be of help to the community if I would be willing to do that. And I am thrilled that you wanted to talk about this. I had been in touch with the VML about this. We were a little bit concerned. So the original process that had been followed for the last 20 plus years had been for council to you know bring names to the table, discuss it in closed session, work with someone, and then appoint an individual. And uh, in the desire of transparency, some of the council members actually wanted to have an open application and interview process, similar to what happened in Virginia Beach not long ago. Um, I was a little concerned about that because while I fully believe in transparency and connection and communication, The appointment process is very different from an election process where uh, people tend to um, weigh in and uh, make discussion. And one of the things I was concerned about was the ability of individuals to participate in the process where they don't really have a public forum to share their thoughts and ideas like a campaign but yet still suffer from the fact that their name is being considered and that some people want them to serve in the role and others may not want them to serve in the role. So one of the desires of some of our council members were to have open uh, application and open interview. And uh, some of us did not want to go down that path for that reason. So we found a compromise that 
was a process where we would open up the floor for the citizens to tell us whatever they wanted to tell us. If there was a person they thought should serve, Bob Jones, Jane Doe, whomever, let us know that. Let us know why. And tell us whatever you want to tell us in support of that individual. Now, the big difference, of course, is it's not that we're putting out a list of five names that are being considered and saying, weigh in on these five names. But this is a more affirmative way to say, if there's something you believe we should know about this process, tell us. And so through social media, um, through formal communication from the city, through news and, and uh newspaper articles and things along that line, we were able to get the word out and we received a good number of pieces of feedback where folks were letting us know what they thought was best. We let folks self-nominate if they wanted to and then could certainly talk with their fellow citizens on their behalf um, to reach out to us if they wanted to do that as well. So it was all the positives of receiving feedback without some of the challenges associated with modern social media and communication, if all that makes sense. Did you catch Mayor Horton's use of the word challenging to describe the pitfalls of engaging residents using social media? I think challenging is a generous word, given the propensity of some to use social media as their own personal bullhorn. Of course, those challenges were very real for the Radford City Council as they pondered how best to involve their citizens in what normally would have been a council-only process. To learn more, I turned to someone who was very interested in overcoming those challenges. I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, my name is Naomi Huntington, and I currently serve as the vice mayor in Radford. And um, I uh, began serving in 2018, and um, after the May election in 2018. And... Um, I, I ran for council because I thought that I really embodied the story that was really important for Radford to reflect. I grew up in Montgomery County right next door and I went away for school. Um, it came back uh, when I was first beginning my career and end up, ended up moving to Radford. And uh, it was where I found a little starter home, which was perfect for me as I just began my career. And it's where I met my then fiance, now husband. Um, we got engaged while I was living in Radford. He really encouraged me to run. Um, now we we had our first daughter together. Um, and so that when I when I was running back in 2018, that was really the story of someone who chose to settle down in Radford. And that was the sort of story that we needed to really um, to, to be reflected on council. So Vice Mayor Huntington was relatively new to council when all this went down. I wanted to know what it was like for her and her fellow council members when they were suddenly faced with the prospect of filling that vacant seat back in November. You know, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine that that was uh, unexpected, but also uh, it's not a situation that anybody wants to be in. Nobody, I think it's fair to say, wants to sit on council and find yourself in a position of needing to fill a seat. It is fraught with political peril. Um, the idea that you are going to appoint someone who will be voting on the same things that you will um, 
is very scary because that's an enormous responsibility that is usually left to voters as it should be. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes it becomes necessary. And so very quickly, um, I realized that, you know, this was just an awesome responsibility. And so I began to do what I usually do when I find myself in that situation, which is I began researching as much as I could and ask, asking as many questions as I could, trying to get as much information as I possibly could from different people. So um, that involved discussions with uh, our um, our city manager about the way things have been done, done in the past, it involved discussions with previous city council members. It involved a lot of research. Um, I spent a lot of time on Google. I actually went through every single city in this in the state and I, I tried to find as much as I could about the way every single city handled this process. Um, many of them did not have any recent uh, news stories, but if they did, I read them. And so that gave me sort of some guideposts on the way this process w- has worked in other locations, what we've done before, and what I thought would be a good approach for our for our city now. And so uh, you mentioned that sort of fraught with peril when you find yourself in that situation. Um, let's pretend I don't know anything because I don't. Why did you have to fill that position? Was there was there a clock ticking? What's the urgency around that? So under the law, um, and please double check me on this to make sure that I get my numbers correct. But, you know, yeah, you've got about, I think it's 30 days to make the appointment from the time of the vacancy. I'm just going to jump in here and let everyone know that we checked and she got it right. It is 30 days. Now, back to Vice Mayor Huntington. And if you don't make the, the, the if you do not appoint someone within that 30 days, then it actually goes to um, the circuit court judges of, of your municipality. And so if you do not choose to, if you are not able to make the appointment, then somebody else will. And so there was an urgency for us to either, you know, make a decision ourselves or it would be out of our hands and someone else would make the decision for us. But that's under the state law. And what you arrived at was the idea of having um, citizens of Radford basically either nominate themselves or nominate someone that they thought would do a good job. What we ultimately decided was going to be an appropriate tact would be to seek feedback from our community. Um, And this could be a number of things. We released a press release and we all tried to share it through social media as much as we could saying that essentially we wanted the community to be involved with this process. And so we asked them to provide nominations uh, for individuals who they thought would be a good fit for the job and they could either nominate themselves or another person. And uh, that nomination process went through our city clerk. And so we asked that they, you know, submit those names uh, to our city clerk We also invited any type of feedback for individuals if they wanted to tell us, you know, we think that this characteristic is particularly important or we think that, you know, this issue is really uh, something that you should focus on. We asked for any kind of feedback along those lines. Um, And so that's that's how we managed our applications from the public. So as you just heard from Vice Mayor Huntington, the council were dedicated to finding a way to as much as possible involve the public in the process. But as you'll hear now from Mayor Horton, there were some special considerations for involving the public that he and the council needed to take into account. You know, I believe in a citizen's ability to communicate the way that they see fit. Sadly, 
the format, I think, can disrupt the messaging that people are trying to bring forward. If, if there's a concern, if there's a positive thought, if there's something that they want to share, that can be changed with asynchronous one-way communication where it is perceived in a way that maybe is different from what's offered. It also has a tenor that is different from discourse when you have people gathered around a table in a room and connecting in that way. And so they, all of those pieces have to be considered, in my opinion. And I have seen some processes where essentially candidates, potential nominees for appointments are ripped to shreds. And it becomes just a truly negative process to where some people won't even be considered, to where some folks won't uh, allow their reputation to be sullied in that way. Because think about it. It's like all the elements of an election where you might weigh in on your thoughts about someone or or your feelings um, truly without their ability to respond. And that makes it challenging. So having said that, I made it very clear in my messaging that elections and appointments were two very different things. And there were two components to this process as per our charter, that the first component was for council to appoint someone on a temporary basis until the next councilmanic election, at which time voters would determine who would fill the seat for the remainder of the term. And those two processes are handled very differently. First and foremost, I didn't want to cede council's authority to select someone and put it to a vote, so to speak, because that's an election without true full participation um, where you might listen to the loudest voices or you might have people campaign in such a way where everybody doesn't feel like they have an opportunity to engage. So I think we found the best possible way within the constraints that we had of time within the challenges that we have with modern communication and the opportunities that we have with modern communication to engage our citizenry so that they could let us know anything they wanted to let us know privately to be able to inform our decision-making process. Um, that to me is a good model for localities moving forward because there is a fully, uh, transparent communication process. And certainly if someone wants to have a conversation with me about how we went about it, that's fine. We ended up doing some private interviews, much as you would do for a job interview with several of the last few folks once we determined um, who made the most sense for the role. And so as such, we um, did have a, a, a process where we evaluated the candidates and then finally made a determination as to the candidate should be chosen. Do you think that the desire to sort of make it more engaging or inclusive with the community was a result of the fact that there was still a fair amount of time left um, in this vacant position? I think there's part of that. I think our council in particular has been very focused on trying to have a dialogue with our community wherever possible. And as a part of that, it's having an ongoing conversation about what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, gaining all the possible ideas and potential pitfalls that might be there without turning everything into a complete um, 
chaotic uh, mess. And <laughs> and that's something – well, and, and again, I'm trying to describe it in a way that's appropriate because it can be that. Uh, you know, modern communication can, can get out of hand in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think managing that is a huge challenge because you want to give folks a chance to engage. And there may be some things that they feel that, you know, those of us who serve act, absolutely need to know. Um, and I believe in that. And folks certainly could express their opinions on their own social media and with their own networks of, you know, I think Jane Doe would be the very best person to serve in this council role. I hope you'll join me in encouraging council to consider her. So, you know, it's all the positives. The one good thing that you had from this process is because you didn't have a list of names out there, you didn't sort of uh, proctor people to say, I don't like John Doe, and I think he shouldn't be on council. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful um, because, again, if there's someone that you just absolutely feel like shouldn't serve, that's fine. We, like many communities, have a number of folks who are very interested in stirring the pot, regardless of the subject matter. And there were even some folks who were like, I really wish I knew who the names were so I could let council know how I feel about them. <laughs> and it was interesting uh, because they are the folks, it's the the usual suspects who really enjoy uh, a very combative discourse. And that was what I was trying to avoid for a lot of reasons, because in many of these communities, I mean, you've read the articles, you've seen the stories, it has not gone well. And uh, you've had people resign after an appointment is made. You've had it get overly political and turn into kind of a mess when it should be something that's about service. And there will be time if someone wants to make it an extremely political process, there will be an opportunity for that when the next election takes place. Now, timing wise, it was both a challenge because there was so much time left in the term, but also it was so far away from the next election. It was about as far as you can possibly get uh, from having an election, you know, because anything less than a year, you're probably going to have it at the most immediate election. So that, that was one of the challenges I think too, that we had to look at to say, how do we fill this role? And, um, do it in a way that folks will at least be happy. And so what we looked at was experience and knowing that someone had to step in right at budget season, right when we're dealing with a number of major issues, right as the nation is dealing with a number of major issues, as well as the Commonwealth, and someone who didn't really have that opportunity to have a six-month learning curve that you might have when you typically are elected and, and move into public office. Once we developed a plan and a process, we were able to come together and have unanimous support across the board. And I think that is what's lacking in government nowadays. It's not about getting uh, three to two votes or four to one or whatever that happens to be. If you can try to listen to the concerns and the hopes of your all of the participants around the table and take away from that what is doable within the parameters that you're given, I think that makes a huge difference. So you you had a vacancy. Yes. You, as a council, as mayor, you, you had an idea for doing it a little bit differently to fill that vacancy. Yes. You came up with a process. You worked through your differences. 
you put the process out there, you solicited and received nominations, you selected from those nominations and had a new council all within 30 days. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. That's that's really <laughs> impressive. Well, thank you. We met a lot. Um, I spent an inordinate amount of time working on this because I wanted to make sure that everyone felt good about what we ended up doing. Um, the important thing was that everybody felt like their voice was heard and that we considered all possibilities that all were valued and that we would try to find a solution where every member of council could say, I see positive things here. And so that's not always easy, um, as you well know. And, and again, what we try to do with our council meetings, and, and I will say almost every vote um, over the last few years has been unanimous. We've had a few dissensions and it's been four to one or there were a couple of situations during COVID that were three to two, but we were able to find solutions that worked within that uh, environment and made a 5-0 unanimous decision come about. So, you know, I feel good that we've been able to do that. To me, that is responsive, interactive government, which, again, this is how government should work for the people, is that it is less ideological and more pragmatic about how you make things happen, how you try to find solutions from all the ideas that are presented, and how you move forward working together as people as much as members of an organization. So at the end of this sort of out-of-the-box creative, different uh, process, you wound up with what we considered a fairly traditional person to fill the the vacant seat, um, somebody you might have chosen even if you hadn't gone through this process. Do you think it's because like your, your non-traditional candidates, the people who hadn't served on council before or didn't have any direct experience there, it's maybe a little unfair to let them step onto council just to try it out? And you'd want somebody that had already sort of proven the desire and had run the gauntlet of a, of a public election process um, who appreciated what it takes to get there traditionally? I think there are a lot of elements of that. This is so multifaceted. The, the bottom line is, as we worked with everyone, it became apparent to the group that the things that Dr. Harshberger, the, the individual that we nominated and selected, had the skill set to manage this particular situation very well, that he could hit the ground running, that he was familiar because he had served on council as recently as uh, 15 months before. He had experience with the issues, was experienced with budgeting, had been um, looked at by voters historically and had been elected four different times. He really brought all the elements to the table that you would value. And by the way, out of the finalists that we had, any of them would make wonderful members of council. And we did ask them to consider running for council in the next election to to consider further service with the city. So in a way, it was a win win across the board. It wasn't easy to get there. We had a strong time deadline. And of course, all this is taking place with the Thanksgiving holidays involved and um, needing to have it done by the beginning of uh, December. Um, so again, everything was not only a short time period, there were a lot of events and activities and travel and, and things going on. Um, so 
I do think that there is something to be said that because of the valuing process that we went through at the beginning, we were able to establish without a particular candidate in mind what the ideal choice would be and the reasons why. And as such, that helped guide the process as we went through. So essentially what we did was create a roadmap for where we wanted to end up, not necessarily knowing which individual might be that person who would help us end up there. Well, now it's finally time to hear from that person, Dr. Richard Harshberger. In addition to numerous professional and civic roles in the community, Dr. Harshberger spent 16 years on council, including stints as the city's vice mayor. He began as an educator at Virginia Tech in 1969 and remains involved with the university as the co-director of the Transportation Construction Management Institute. He also runs his own consulting firm. He is a true fan of the city of Radford, as you'll hear. Hello, Dick Harshberger here. Hey, this is Rob Bullington from the Virginia Municipal League. How are you doing? I'm just great. How about you, Rob? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for taking some time. I was uh, I was actually just doing a little research on you online, if you don't mind. And it looks like you've got a lot going on, man. <laughs> yes, I do. Always have. <laughs> yeah, Monday, I talked to, uh, to Vice Mayor Huntington. And yesterday, I talked to Mayor Horton. And uh, they both had a lot of really glowing things to say about you. When you found out that you were going to be coming back to council for for a while, um, as part of this process, was it? Were you happy about that? Were you thinking, how am I going to make the time? Oh, I I was happy about coming back. Uh, we have a very good council there. We have, uh, I think, you know, there's a council there, and the four people that are there really all want what's best for Radford, and that's that's the way I've operated right from the beginning. And, and uh, so I was happy to serve with them. So when you found out how they were going to approach um, filling the vacancy um, using this sort of citizen engagement model, uh, what were your initial thoughts about that idea? Well, I, I didn't know. I, I had to explore that with them because I, I wasn't in favor of a public forum because I think those are should be saved for election time, you know. But they, they assured me that that wasn't what they were doing. They were interviewing uh, just just the council, and uh, I I appreciated that very much, and uh, I would look forward to it. I I enjoyed these things, so I enjoyed the the challenge of of uh, competing for the the job. I guess is the best way to put it. I think it's striking too, and, and in my conversation with Mayor Horton yesterday, I mean he's he's relatively young and he's excited to be mayor and he's got a lot of energy and a lot of, uh, what seemed like good ideas and a lot of enthusiasm. And you've been doing this for a while. You have a lot of experience. It's a, it's an interesting matchup. Do you, what what do you hope to, uh, to impart to your younger cohorts there during your time? Well, I, Mayor Horton's got the enthusiasm. I usually instill enthusiasm in people, but I tell you, we've got a we've got a uh, council that's pretty enthusiastic as it is. I think I can help in a lot of ways. One will be I I want to really promote Radford. We've got an awful lot to offer in Radford. I'm just curious too, because you know you've you've done this so many times. Obviously, you've run for council on several occasions, been elected. Do you see it differently as you did it times in the past? No, I I don't. I I uh, I I've got more experience, of course, than anybody else 
on council. I was I, actually I was vice mayor for two terms, eight years, so and part of another term. So you know, I I really like to get out and about with the city. I'm uh, I've got a lot of energy. I'm you know I'm no young I'm no spring chicken. I guess you know that. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I've got a lot of energy and I've got a lot of enthusiasm, and that's the way I work. I I've always worked that way. I, I've never done one thing ever. I'm writing a, my memoirs right now, and this is this. I'm I'm fascinated with the juggling I did. <laughs> I've done over the years. <laughs> I got I gotta be careful. I'll get right away with that. You know, and I, I've done so many different jobs. <laughs> you know, I've been a everything from a butcher's apprentice to a, I was when I was thirteen. I I was cutting meat. If you can imagine that, with sort of sort of the guy in jail that hired me today, but. Um, you know, and I was a warehouseman. I was a ditch digger. I was a magician. I was a hotel night clerk. As a welder's wait, 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 helper. Wait. You were a magician. <laughs> yeah. I, Once you're a magician, though, aren't you always a magician, or do, do you stop being a magician at some point? I, I had to stop because I had so many other things going on. But uh, no, I actually had an act. I, I, I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> I still love, love magic, I think. And there's a lot of magic everywhere you look. Magic indeed. I checked back in with Vice Mayor Huntington, and she was certainly not alone in thinking that Dr. Harshberger's return to council when they needed him most was a somewhat magical occurrence. I also wanted to know how the community felt about the decision and how it played out. Here she is to tell us in her own words. You know, we were so fortunate when Dr. Harshberger um, said that he was willing to come serve because he has such an enormous breadth of knowledge um, and a, a, a tremendous depth of experience. Um, I, I, I often find myself, as I sit in council meetings, thinking to myself, I wonder what Dr. Harshberger would ask now. <laughs> and that's the way that I, you know, I frequently, you know, I, I frequently find myself asking questions. And so we were just so fortunate that he was willing to do this and come back to us. You know, it's not to say that in every situation, um, somebody who uh, has previously served will be the right person for uh, to fill a vacancy. But in this case, he definitely was. Um, and, and, you know, we did have wonderful applicants, um, and I am very grateful to them. But in this particular situation, he was the right fit. Um, as for community um, response to our overall process, it's been fairly quiet. I, I think that, um, you know, it was it was good that we were open and transparent, and hopefully that helped make sure that, you know, the, the, the community felt positively towards the way that we handled this situation. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking it's an interesting uh, get out of a conundrum free card, if you will. If if someone were to come to you later and say, well, you know, you, you picked the wrong person or you didn't do this right, you say, well, look, you had an opportunity to, <laughs> to throw a name in the hat, right? I mean, um, it because like, like you had said at the beginning there, I mean, like, no matter who you chose, if you hadn't gone through this process, somebody would have probably take an exception to it and maybe not even right afterwards it could be a year from now you know right. that something comes up that they feel there's a compromise there and you've sort of created a, a nice 
fuzzy good feeling around it. I think that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. Well, I hope that we did. I, 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 I was very proud of the way that we all um, came together to develop this, the process that we used. And um, I think it was, it resulted in, in, um, you know, a, a, a process that we all stand behind and was very thorough and well thought out. And so, yes, I, I hope that the community does see that and, and they do realize that we really just wanted to find the best person for the job. That was our goal. And it would seem that they succeeded in achieving that goal with the selection of Dr. Harshberger. Before we wrap up this episode, I had one more question for Mayor Horton I'd like to share with you. If uh, some other locality came to you and said, hey, we really like what you did here, um, we're going to try to replicate it, is there anything you would tell them to do differently? I think having had this process in place prior to the vacancy would have been the best. And so we now have sort of a process and, and a guideline that we're putting in a file for future councils to consider. Now, again, council can do whatever they want. Ultimately, it's an appointment and it's not an election and you're not necessarily bound by the process. But I think having something in place that everybody's agreed to ahead of time helps because then the the challenges of politics don't paint the discussion of process. And that is a truly important part because sometimes if there's a certain political outcome someone wants to achieve – process gets compromised to meet uh, an end in that way. So that that's the main lesson that I had from it that I wish. Now, again, um, the, the best part of this is we did not strongly deviate from the practice that had been done the last 20 years. How we engaged that process was slightly different, but ultimately the same things happened. Council had nominees that they discussed, that they used a a process within um, appropriate hiring practices to determine a finalist and then to appoint someone to the position. Um, So we followed that process. We also followed the spirit of a um, transparent process where folks could send us whatever information they wanted us to have as we went through this decision-making process. We solicited folks to say, let us know what you think about who should serve in the role, about who should be nominated, uh, about the things we should value. So we kind of found the best of both possible worlds while eliminating some of the challenges you would have on either side. You know, so much of of dealing with government and and dealing with things that you you do as an elected official is being able to be flexible uh, and to to find solutions ultimately. And and I think, like I said, I'm going to go back to this. That's one of the things that's missing from the state and federal government so often. I'm seeing it a little more in Richmond this year because they have to, because you have uh, divided government. Um, but too often you see people take an intractable political position and if it doesn't go totally their way, nothing happens. That puts us in a very difficult spot and localities don't have that luxury. You know, so often with localities, something has to happen. If we hadn't done the things that we did with this process, a judge would have had to appoint the nominee, appoint the candidate, um, to fill the seat And I don't think anybody wanted that because ultimately, who would be making that decision and why? 
And, you know, what would their process be? I think localities are struggling with it. You know, historically, they've picked someone. You know, that is far and away the way most places have done it, because in most charters, that's their responsibility is to select a temporary person who would then serve until the next election. And with the desire to be less behind the scenes political and more out front, um, it has changed things. But it also puts you in a position where you may make some folks very, very, very unhappy in that that process. And so you really have to balance all of that to try to give citizens the best shot at local government you can. Now, I'm sure there are probably people who were like, I can't believe you appointed, you went through all that, you went on and appointed a person who just served two years ago. What's up with that? But I do think if they look at the way we went about it, that helps answer a lot of those questions. That's a wrap on this episode. The VML Voice is made possible in part through the support of Dominion Energy and Virginia Housing. I've got to go now. But I'll be back soon with another episode on Virginia and the local governments that make the Commonwealth work for everyone. And now, here is this episode's VML Voice of Reason. The impact that local government can have on communities is underrated and underappreciated.